Hello, and welcome to The Roundup. My name is Nick Saba with The Impact, and I am here today with some lovely guests. My name is Bria, and I am a reporter at Focal Point News and a journalism student at Michigan State University. Hello, my name is Julie. I am the editor-in-chief at the LCC newspaper, The Lookout. Hi, I'm Abiha Zaidi, also known as Abby. I'm a state news reporter for the Culture Desk this semester, and I'm a, ma I'm a business major. And I am incredibly glad you were all able to join me today. Um, the first topic that I wanted to talk about was the current trucker convoy that is, of course, being held up in Canada, uh, which, you know, its main part is in Ottawa, blocking off a lot of the uh, kind of highways and resources there in order to protest Trudeau and his government, as well as the different mask mandates and vaccine mandates. And this has kind of ended up spilling over into uh, kind of a both American and Canadian coral. Um, truckers have recently just blocked off the Ambassador Bridge, which is the connecting bridge from Upper Michigan to Canada. Um, which normally sees incredibly high volume every day, but now sees, I mean, next to nothing. Um, and multiple, excuse me, multiple different companies have had to kind of, kind of slow production and stop production. Uh, car companies, Ford, things like that. Um, have you guys heard about this? Uh, what's your take on it? This is my first time hearing about it. Um, so this is news to me. Um, but if the truckers feel like they need to go on strike for any certain reason, I mean, voices should be heard and opinions should be voiced. So, yeah. Yeah, I haven't really heard a ton about it. Um, it's kind of not great for a reporter to not be paying attention to the news. But, you know, <laughs> um, college students at the same time as being a reporter. So, But um, I know that the border was closed for a while because of COVID. Um, so I know that there wasn't a lot of traffic anyway, um, ever since the pandemic hit. Um, but yeah, so they're just blocking it off. A lot of it has to do with a, uh, a mandate for vaccines that, um, actually Trudeau and Biden both agreed on, uh, for travel between the two countries. And there's about 10% of of employed truckers, give or take, it might be a little less, maybe a little more, um, that have refused to get vaccinated and will most likely end up losing their jobs, which is the reason for the strike happening. Of course, there's the opposite side of it of these people, you know, have kind of barricaded themselves around towns like Ottawa. And, you know, can kind of cause a bit of uh, unrest. Yeah, I mean, I haven't heard much about it, but I would say that there's already a lot going on with COVID and, like, the supply chain of everything and, like, transporting stuff from one place to another. Um, and I know with the mandate, they have been stuff on, like, people who work in hospitals for vaccines, you know, the nurses. So having the truckers, you know, the mandate on the truckers is something that, you know, follows along with, you know, seeing that there was a mandate on nurses. And so, um, I mean, it's their job and I and I, I understand why they're fighting for it. But I can, you know, see that, you know, it's just politics and, you know, jobs and stuff. But there's been mandates 
from country to country. I know I traveled over the summer. You know, you have to show your vaccination from country to country. So I think there's a, a just a American Canadian thing. But I know when you travel from like um, like the summer I traveled to Dubai. So like Dubai has that mandate. So it's not something new in like in countries. Like it's it hap is happening in other places as well. So it does feel there is a significant American presence there. Um, politicians have given their support on, on kind of both sides of the issue. Um, uh, Donald Trump has mentioned that he, you know, supports the convoy and supports, uh, the, the, the Ottawa truckers. And there is this feeling of, of American presence in Canadian politics. And it is weird to think about because, you know, we are surprisingly close to Canada, I mean, the border is connected to Michigan, but we don't tend to think about that as much and what that might mean, you know, for us and the supply chain here. And, you know, one of our biggest trading partners is Canada. So what would it mean if that trade is halted? And how long do you think it'll take for, you know, authorities to kind of start cracking down on this protest? Pretty soon. We would all be affected. A lot of resources come out of Canada and go into Canada. Um, so without those, I mean, food, retail, a lot of things that we use. So I, I say it wouldn't take long at all and for them to step up. And uh, even to go over your point earlier, uh, we all have responsibilities that we have to uphold with mandates. Even as students here on campus, we're expected to be vaccinated. Um, and we travel a lot as well. And truckers go everywhere. Um, so I feel like the truckers definitely should um, take into account their job and what they do and the people that they serve uh, when it comes to this convoy altogether. Yeah, um, it would definitely have a huge impact on um, trading goods and the and you know transportation of all that kind of stuff. It would definitely put a huge impact on both America and Canada. Um, Honestly, I mean, I kind of, I kind of agree. Like, I agree with people. Like, I respect people wanting to make their own decision about whether they want to get it or not. However, on the other side, companies do have the right to enforce this kind of stuff. And so, really, if you're against it, then I guess you sh- probably shouldn't have that job, because I mean, it is the company's right to do that. Absolutely, I agree. Yeah, and I mean, uh, going back to like university requirements, it's kind of like. If you don't get the vaccine, then other students are affected, and then we have to go virtual. It's kind of like, it's not. It's a domino effect. So it's not just about one person not getting the vaccine or getting the vaccine. It affects everyone. In this situation, it's related to supply chain. In other situations, it's related to education and jobs and stuff. So um, I know that like weather change affects supply chain so drastically, especially because of our like it's more sensitive after COVID. But I know there was like a weather, the northeast, the northeasterner, and they, the supply chain was so affected by that. Imagine like a trucker, the truckers thing would probably affect it in like three, four days. I, I wouldn't, I would not expect nothing. So I wouldn't be surprised because, yeah. yeah. you know, even a small, you know, uh, blockage in an important area can cause a lot of problems. Exactly. I mean, look at Evergrande, the, uh, the Evergrande crisis down in the, the Suez Canal uh last year you know a single ship can block thousands 
Yeah. So it's just, you know, food for thought. It's something you got to think about putting yourself or putting others first. Either yeah. sacrifice yourself or sacrifice others. Yeah. And it's one of those situations. Okay. If you guys are ready, I think I'm good to m- kind of move on and uh, push to our next story. Yeah. Uh, so the story that I covered this week with Focal Point was the ASMSU bill on campus um, being proposed and hopefully being passed. They had a meeting last night, but I'm not sure if it, it got passed or not for a non-binary gym on campus. There's already three gyms on campus. I am West, I am Circle, and I am East. Uh, but this gym in particular being brought to campus would include everyone, hopefully, is would be the hope. Um, and with speaking with the uh, head of the athletic recreational department and speaking with a few students on campus, this will be a big step forward for the university um, in diversity and inclusion and bringing everyone in and making them feel comfortable. The key term in this in this story and in this package that I did was comfortability. Um, a lot of women, students in particular, don't feel comfortable in these spaces that are male-dominated, and they feel like they're male-dominated. Um, uh, with the masculinity and the words I heard were macho, and even when I did go into the gym, all you hear is the clinking and the clanking. Like, while I'm editing, I have to bring that natural sound down because they're in there going hard, and good for them. Um, but I'm hoping that this gym will um, in- include everyone in a way where they feel like they can take the weight off their shoulders um, that they have in this outside world. And when they step into that gym, they can feel a part of something and feel included and also get that self-love and that mental strength that they need. So with this particular bill, or uh, and because I, 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 I haven't heard too much about it. Okay. Um, and I definitely want to learn more. Uh, what are the, the specifics of, of why it's happening right now and why they have held off maybe in the past? With ASMSU, I feel like this has been proposed recently. And I it has been proposed recently. And it's something that's been in the works for a minute. But they had to talk with NURSA to get the space, the... Um, the space has to get approved by the university and by NURSA, and so we do have the space for it, and now it, it's a need. Um, it's been a lot of complaints, um, and with the campus, it's post-pandemic. We've brought in a few more students than normal. Um, it's, it's, it's about time to bring in a gym that can include others, and with this gym, which will make it stand out from the other gyms, are... They're hoping to still have that same equipment, but have inspirational quotes on the wall and um, more positive words of affirmation and things of that sort. Um, And even taking the tour of all of the gyms over this past weekend, I found two stickers on the wall in I Am West about, you know, be the girl you were too lazy to be yesterday. And it was a cutout from like Google Images. So... I'm um, speaking with some of the students and speaking with ASMSU, this gym hopefully will have the wall decor. And one thing about this gym is that they want student input. That is the most important part. Students this year um, who have active memberships at the IM facilities will be already have already received emails. And if you haven't, you probably should get an email soon um, about your input on the environment in the gyms right now. 
And then from there, they hope to send out more surveys and include more students on what they would want to see in the gym. And basically, students will be putting in their input on the infrastructure altogether. That's really cool, um, getting the students involved like that. Um, I know my past experiences with gyms has been, like, awkward. I know I've gone to a couple different gyms. Um, I think the most comfortable I've ever been in is, like, a Planet Fitness. Um, And just because there's always a variety of people there. I know I tried going to this gym once, and it was very, it was in a very dark building, and there were mostly men in there, and um, it was mostly weightlifting stuff, which is not what I was going there for, and me and my friend were just, like, we stepped in, we were just like, cool, we're gonna leave. Um, (laughs) (laughs) um, So, and, you know, I guess it just depends on where you go. I know that a lot of people are intimidated by going to gyms, because sometimes it can be a very toxic environment. And you get intimidated. Um, And it can be very hard. And a lot of people um, who go to the gym can also be very self-conscious, speaking from personal experience. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I mean, um, like you, I wrote an article about uh, the trans, like, gender housing and that whole uh, environment. And I talked to multiple people. And the one thing that I heard a lot was that there's so much work left to do in MSU regarding this lgbtq community and the housing and all this stuff and so i think working towards that and as well as like i know i can relate to an experience uh, i go to the gym but i went in uh i went to the gym like in the beginning of freshman year and i felt like i was like being looked at or like i wasn't comfortable in the area and the gym was small so i am east i think and like i feel like you you need that space and you know i saw most of the girls in the weight room for like five ten minutes but then they would go on the side and start stretching and like they'd go into a whole nother room and that's where all the girls were and but there was no equipment there it was just like you know your your squats and your stretching and stuff like that so it was like they wouldn't have that freedom to stay in the weight room compared to the men who were able to take the you know the squat rack and all that stuff and even me like I think then I said to my uh, friend I was like okay we both got to go together then because I can't you know go alone it's kind of scary and intimidating going alone so we went and we went into a bigger gym as well um but yeah like trying to make it through as a woman who works out like it's not like you just have to deal with you know the motivation itself of trying to get up and going to work out but then on top of that you have to deal with the motivation of handling the whole situation around you and feeling comfortable which I feel like we shouldn't have to do in the first place so yeah that's my opinion on it I mean, gyms can be inherently, you know, stressful yeah. and and time-consuming to begin with, and adding an extra layer of simply not feeling comfortable should it's a no-brainer to to try and work that out and try to make it so that you know people feel safe in an environment that yeah. is already hostile. Right. Right. Especially an environment you pay for. Yeah. <laughs> so. That's really important, and um, it won't be for another probably five or six years before this facility will even be up and running, and we'll probably all be gone by then. But to be able to be here at the start of this journey, I'm glad that we can be here and be a part of it and at least the the beginning phases of the journey. It's planting the seeds, right? It is, and hopefully get to watch the tree grow. (laughs) All right. If you're okay, uh, yeah. I'm okay to kind of keep moving along here. Yeah.
Um, all right, so the topic that I was going to talk about today um, was just Black History Month and um, talking about the stuff that LCC is planning on doing for Black History Month. Um, my coworker, Ariana Lanka, she wrote a terrific article on all the events that are happening at LCC. Um, so come next week, you guys can check that out on our website if you want to. But um, just all year long, LCC has really done um, a lot of work with trying to make sure that it's not just one month that we appreciate um, Black history, but it's like all year long. Um, so they have this theme um, for 2022 called Disrupting the Narrative, a Conversation, and Call to Action. Um, so it's just kind of a theme that they want to try and keep for the entire year. Um, but most of the events are going to be held virtually online because of the pandemic. Um, but I know that there's going to be a lot of like talks, um, a lot of guest speakers that are going to be coming in. Um, LCC's Chief Diversity Officer, Dr. Tanya Bailey, is going to be having... Um, an event that she's going to be hosting. Um, I know that we're going to have some guest speakers coming in from West Michigan Jewels of Africa um, and a traditional African drum and dance group, which is really cool. Um, so there's going to be a lot of different kinds of events, um, and it's really cool. And I think that um, it's really important to make sure that it's great that we have Black History Month, but also we should appreciate it all year long. Absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> I wish we didn't have just 28 days. Yeah, we need right. more. Absolutely. I feel that. The way that, that I look at Black History Month is that it's 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 not supposed to be, you know, it's not the only time that you look at black history and, and you take into account, um, you know, the the black influences in not just America, but but the world. It's it's supposed to just be a, a celebration of it. Um, cause you know, the rest of the year, uh, I mean, usually, especially in a lot of American schools, uh, at least from personal, you know, my, my own upbringing as well, uh, the history tends to be very, uh, Eurocentric. Yeah. That's yeah. the word. Um, and it tends to not want to, to leave <laughs> Europe, especially in the beginning ever. Um, and it feels like a lot of the history is is kind of lost because it's not a focus. And so I think, you know, Black History Month is able to to bring it into the light. But then you have to realize that this is should be how it always is. Right. 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 One of the um, things I noticed today while we were, you know, I was we were doing focal point. One of our commercials was talking about the struggle. We always uh, emphasize every Black History Month on the past and African-American struggle and slavery. And this month, we should try something different. Brand new year, same month, brand new year. Let's look at it as African-American futurism and how we can take the struggle we've been through and what our ancestors have been through and how we can move forward. And we've had pretty prevalent issues um, starting last year in 2020 with George Floyd and how we can move forward with that and Black Lives Matter. And we, of course, should definitely bring light to those icons, you know, the Ida B. Wells, Martin Luther King, of course. But there were more people than that as well. And for LCC to even be doing something like this is a, a, a big step all over. So it sounds great. <laughs> yeah, Dr. Tanya Bailey, I've had plenty of discussions with her. She's an amazing woman. Um, She... um. Like I said, she's the chief diversity officer at LCC, and she does 
all kinds of events all year long at LCC, and it's really cool, and it's um, the diversity and inclusion stuff that we have at LCC is happening all year round, and uh, we have a ton of events and programs, and it's all really cool, and I've been very impressed with how they've handled things. I think MSU as a whole could kind of learn from that. Um, I think there's a lot of good that MSU does, and I think most of it stems usually from the student base. Um, the MSU administration in the past has just been a bit more, uh, have, have warmed up to, you know, uh, looking at DEI and, and trying to put a real focus on it. Um, but I think there are areas to improve still. Still. Uh, and this is coming from, from someone, you know, my, my background, I'm from suburban, you know, Chicago. Oh wow! Uh, I've I've you know lived in the, the there's the same house multiple times, so you know I'm not coming from a background of of being able to to relate right away, and I think it's important to to bring the understanding to the forefront and try to to teach people because MS MSU in particular is pretty global. We have a lot of international students. We have a lot of people from a variety of backgrounds. I mean, same with LCC. Right. And it's important to kind of acknowledge that and see, you know, what we are and what we want to be as a campus. DEI, I feel like even on campus, has done a really good job with um, employment because that's a, a, a good place to start, at least with on-campus jobs and the, jo- the jobs that we have and how many students actually are employed through the university um, over the summer. DEI said, hey, you guys need to hire more diverse people in all, you know, culinary, RHS, anything, facilities. And I feel like, yes, I don't know what who lit a fire under DEI's butt, but they're up and they're moving. And I, the, the fact that the university has made this many changes in just this short amount of time, um, but starting from, you know, first day of fall semester end of August to now, it's, it's surprising. It steps in the right direction. It is. Yeah, I definitely think that there could be a lot of improvements always. There's You can always improve no matter what with anything, um, especially with making sure like awareness and inclusion and um, equality and diversity. You can always make improvements no matter what. Yeah. Okay. Well, then without further ado, I say we move on to <laughs> our last topic of the day. Yep. So today um, I'll be talking about the article that I wrote for our print issue, Love and Sex, for this um, month for the state news, which was uh, dating across the divide, so navigating interracial couples at MSU. Um, I talked to a few couples, uh, Angie Flores and Gino Piccini, um, Sanchez, and there's a multiple mentioned in there. There's a total of like three or four. And then I also talked to a PhD um Leaky Duanian, Dr. Leaky Duanian, and she gave more insights on like the more uh, parent side and the student side and the cultural acceptance uh, part of interracial relationships. Uh, most of it was inspired from my own experiences as a Pakistani immigrant Muslim. Um, I exp- I'm in a and have been in an interracial relationship before, so for me it's something important because I don't think it's uh, talked about a lot. I know. 
usually representation of couples and you know relationships especially like if you look on tiktok and everything it's usually either happy and outgoing and it seems like the problems are not usually they're based inside and not like internally and not externally um but in these relationships uh some of them they thrived and like um i think two out of three they were pretty positive and they said that they learned a lot from each other and each other's cultures and that's what brought them together but similar to Sabine, um, Ahmed and Kashik Morali, who I talked to, um, I've seen that in relationships, interrelation, interracial relationships, sorry, um, there's a lot of conflict because of external um, things like parents, acceptance, you know, families and people around you. And it's kind of unfortunate because the relationships themselves are, you know, really good, but the external part of it is what affects it. And it's basically just how you don't let those um, external factors affect your relationship because it's just two people trying to survive in the world together and, you know, loving each other. Um, and I think that it's very common because it's a different kind of love. It's it's something different. Um, there's a lot of things. I, I think it's just, I, I don't think race or uh, that should be a difference, but um, it seems like a lot of people do have an issue with that. And sometimes the people who are the closest to us have an issue with it. Um, and that's what um, the doc Dr. Duanian explained was it's kind of a, a cultural relation gap because um, she was talking more of an immigrant aspect of it. Uh, your parents and the family around you, they're so getting used to the environment, um, especially second generation immigrants or even immigrants themselves. Um, they move together, so they're still getting used to the environment around them. So giving them another thing where that you're like, oh, well, now I'm merging with another culture is kind of a pressure for them. Um, but not only is it for yourself, it's also for your parents, and you have to, you know, understand that, um, also people, you know, and also for your partner, I know, um, it takes a lot for the other person who's not getting acceptance, um, to understand that it's not in my control, you know, it's not my fault, and to tell yourself that, so I kind of wanted to highlight that, because I don't think it's talked out, talked about a lot, and, um, it's kind of just being like, oh, you can love whoever you want, but really, how hard is it to love whoever you want? There's definitely um, a pack mentality with a lot of a lot of people that comes down to like, uh, you know, I like people that are similar to me because it's it's easier. Yeah, it's easier to engage with people that have the same moral values as you, the exact same view uh, worldview as you. And you see a lot of that, you know, online nowadays. People end up in wind tunnels of the same thought and the same thought processes over and over and over again on things like TikTok or Reddit, Twitter. You name the social media site, it probably has some toxic elements to it, like any relationship. <laughs> I definitely was going to say social media plays a big role, TikTok in particular, with uh, either glorifying that, the interracial relationships, or hating on it. And I've seen both. And um, social media can be a, a big influence on people, and especially when it comes to love and relationships. We're our, um, in our 20s, and there's people on TikTok that are definitely not in their 20s and lower than that in the influence that that can have. Um, and also TV, the media that you take in, the intake, um, the commercials we see now, you're seeing more of that interracial um, beauty. And 
I'd, I'd like to say yeah. that I, I love it for sure. And the fact that you were able to study this and write something up, that's beautiful on your personal life as well. Yeah, yeah, it's really cool. And I think it's really kind of sad that we still have, um, that there are still people out there, groups of people out there who have this mentality of like being against this. Yeah. Because really, it, it's just really sad that we're in 2022 and it's we're still having issues with this. It's really just kind of sad to see and hear about that there's still hate on this. Yeah. The law. This is actually a law that had yeah. to be passed. Like Loving v. Virginia. Yeah. yeah. And I can't believe that that ha- even had to be written on paper. Yeah. You know? <laughs> there's a lot of things that I can't believe had to be written on paper. <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> no, definitely social media. I feel like TikTok kind of was my number one supporter. Like, I would see these couples that were talk about, like, how they got through it and now they're married and that was kind of like I would say you know that's kind of you know something you can look up to and you know that's a motivation but the struggle that they had to go through wasn't any easier and I don't think that's something that should anyone should have to go through because the mental impact of that is is pretty big and do you really you know family members do you really want to put those you know your loved ones in that situation and you know do you really want to hold that against them they're just you know loving someone and same with, like, you know, friends and everyone. That's just, you know, you have to accept. And people will do what they want to do in their life. It's whether you're going to be there to support them or whether you're going to go against them and just give them that extra, you know, strain and, you know, ruin the relationships between yourselves. Absolutely. Um, I think there's a lot to be said because, you know, uh, love is going to do whatever it feels like. Yeah. Um. And I think that may be the note to end it on today. So I just want to thank you guys again for coming and talking with me today and talking to our listeners. And I hope that I can talk with you all again sometime. But for now, you've been listening to The Roundup on WDBM 89 FM.